This is Real Estate Rookie episode 217. Get out of here. <laughs> and really when you're, you know, working with desks, working with tenants or working with like your cleaners, you know, there's like three things, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. It's pretty simple. Uh, golden rule to live by and regardless of who if you're paying someone or they're paying you two is just treating them as real humans right like they have bad days I have bad days the third thing is just leading with honesty it goes both ways the more that you're honest with them they'll bring it back to you so my name is Ashley Kerr and I am here with my co-host Tony Robinson and welcome to the Real Estate Ricky podcast where every week twice a week we bring you the inspiration information education you need to kickstart your investing journey. And uh, usually I, I start off with a, with a cool uh, review from, uh, from like iTunes or whatever, but I didn't do that today. So today I'm just going to ask you, uh, please leave us a review on whatever platform it is you listen to. The more reviews we get, more people we can help. And that's our goal here at The Ricky Show is to help folks. So uh, Ash, you care. What's going on? We're, we're here. Yeah, we're, we're, in, we're Denver. in Denver. So tonight we are doing a real estate rookie meetup with Denver's badass investing uh, group. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing a joint meetup tonight um, at Rhino Brewery. Super excited to meet tons of rookies and other investors and just kind of network. And if you guys like aren't here, obviously this is going to come out where we'll I have already have done this. But if you guys want to come to the next meetup, um, I don't know, I guess let us know in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group where you guys want to do this next. Ash and I have this dream of uh, going going on the road with uh, all things bigger pockets. And Ricky Road Rookie. Trip. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe if you guys get get active and let the people know where you want us to go next, we can, we can try and set something up in your city. So We both really want the Rookie Road Trip dream. We just yes. visualize it differently. Tony visualizes flying out there meeting me and I visualize it in a camper van traveling across country. So we got to find a way to and make those two dreams intermingle. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but either way, we got a, we got a really good show for you guys today. Um, it's, it's a little bit different. So we decided we should take advantage of the fact that we're here in Denver. We brought some some bigger pockets employees on, or a employee plus a husband, uh, onto the podcast today. So we got Katie and Evan. And, you know, I learned a lot about their story today, too. Like, I didn't even know how big their portfolio was, but they shared so many good insights on working together as husband and wife uh, about not being afraid to take action, investing in different markets, um, appraisal issues. I feel like we touched on so many good things. Yeah, my favorite thing that they touched on was relationships just between themselves as partners, but also relationships with other people and how they handle that and how they actually add value to other people. And that's more of a priority to them than actually taking value from other people. So Evan talks about that a lot. And that's like a really great piece of advice that I think you guys should take away from this podcast. Yeah. And Katie had like a 30 second piece, like right near the beginning of the episode. And, and I, I don't want to spoil it, but just look, I, I call it out after she says this, just make sure you guys are listening for that part as well. But overall, fantastic episode, whether you're a husband and wife duo, listen to this, or you're, you're just a new investor in general, you'll definitely get some value from hearing their story. Yeah. And they're also both working full-time jobs and building this real estate business. Too. And they have a new baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. 
Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent toretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Katie, Evan, we're super excited to have you both here. Uh, this is a different podcast even for me and Ashley because we're, we're in person. We're doing this in Denver uh, near the Bigger Pockets HQ. Uh, and we got some, some special guests. So for the folks that don't know you, and Katie, maybe we'll start with you. Who are you guys? Why are you here on the show today? And, and, and tell us what makes you like a maybe a more special, not more special guest, but there's something special about you <laughs> that maybe most guests uh, can't talk about. Well, thank you guys for flying to Denver to meet us and to hang out. This is so great. We're really excited that you're here. So thanks for being here. So um, my name is Katie Miller. I am our general manager of our publishing division at Bitter Pockets. I started at Bitter Pockets, uh, wow, five years ago now, almost to the day. Um, you know, I applied to a, a job posting that was on a, a startup website portal and uh, sent in my resume. And probably 20 minutes later, Scott Trench calls me on my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here I am. So I, um, yeah, we started with just a couple books and now we have almost 37. A couple wow. of them are in queue. And yeah. yeah, so I love it. I love Bigger Pockets. I'm really excited to be here today with um, my husband, Evan. Yeah. And let's not mention the book that Ash and I have been a uh, super delinquent on. One day that book will make it make it to the the public. But... I think we signed the, the contract what, almost a year ago. Probably now? no pressure, but I really want to publish. We start moving a little bit faster. You know what? It doesn't even matter. We got a book deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to bring it up, but now that you did, <laughs> we'll, we'll start again. Evan, what about you, brother? 
Yeah, I'm Evan, Katie's husband, and um, I actually had started listening to Bigger Pockets before I met Katie, and then she was working a different job when we started dating and stuff. Um, but had bought a house downtown and um, just really liked the process, looking at a lot of architecture, houses, the inside and outside of Denver and, and surrounding area, and I really enjoyed that, so I wanted to keep doing it. So I actually just Googled, like, real estate and investing in real estate and found Brandon's um, how to invest in real estate with no or low money down. And um, that was before Katie was on the team. So um, the books have gotten a lot more polished and awesome since then. But that one was uh, kind of got me hooked. And uh, it was really cool that Katie found a job posting on Bigger Pockets. I was like, I listen to them like every day, twice a day. And so it's been kind of history ever since. But that's I want to know who is more excited about this actual job, Katie or you? I'm pumped about it. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like this. Um, I def- definitely wasn't expecting that. I knew Bigger Pockets was in Denver, which I thought was pretty crazy once I learned that. Um, listen- listening to Josh and Brandon, I was like, oh, sweet. It's like we're sort of neighbors, but I have no idea where you guys are. And then um, since then, getting to go to conferences, showing up at things like this, meetups, um, getting to ta- uh, meet the. Um, podcast hosts like you guys. It's been really cool. And then um, also getting to like see the behind the scenes of how Bigger Pockets works. And uh, as a consumer of their content, um, I've really enjoyed that. So I think something else is like unique about the two of you. And I don't know if we said this already, but your husband and wife, you know, and, yeah. and I know me and my wife, Sarah, we're business partners, you know, uh, husband and wife duo. And th- there's always, I think, a lot of questions that come up about like, what does that dynamic look like? How did you get the other person on board? So kind of give us the the origin story of uh, not necessarily the, like the marriage, right? I guess we could get that if you guys want to as well, but more so like how did the business partnership kind of form between you guys as husband and wife? Yeah, you know, I don't really know if there's like ever been a start date of like, okay, we're going to do this together. But it was just, you know, I had one uh, building, one unit before um, we got married and Evan had... Two. two and you know you know marriage we now share assets so now I had three at the time and he got one more acquired and we actually moved into the unit I had um and so I think from there it was just kind of hey we can really do this we can have full-time jobs we can have a kid we can have a dog and have a beautiful marriage and, and family life while still investing in real estate and still working every day and um for us it really just came down to kind of our, our core family values and how does real estate kind of fit into that. So, And for me, it was basically once she was the publisher of Bigger Pockets, I was like, I got to lock this down. Uh, <laughs> that was a big, uh, big reason to propose. So it was, I think we were, we were definitely both, both on board and it felt like not um, being fully on board together um, was really limiting us and what we could do. Um, and I remember thinking about that um, pretty practical mindset when it comes to marriage. So I was hesitant. Um, but that was like, we can do so much more once we are like a real team together and building this, our future together. And we really have a good dynamic. Like, I don't care about the numbers. I don't want to do deal analysis. Like, show me a spreadsheet. My eyes glaze over. Right. He, that's where his forte is. So it really is helpful that we kind of have our own like yin and yang of what we're good at and um, do best in. So. So, Katie, you were, you were already investing. Was it an investment that first unit or was it just your primary residence? It was my primary residence that I house hacked. Gotcha. And um, 
now it's a full-time uh, long-term rental. So I started at Bigger Pockets in August of 2017 and closed on this place in November of 2017 because right. that's kind of, you know, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. So. That's how it goes. And then Evan and yours, they were, they were both investments? It wasn't. So that was a big difference between – she bought a lot smarter than I did on the first one. I was just buying because – I knew that it was smart. My uncle actually had told me, like, the one thing I would definitely do is buy a house as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. I was in the military, so I had the access to the VA loan, so didn't need any capital whatsoever to get started. Um, and I love Denver. I'm from Denver. I um, just love the city. And so I wanted to live there. And it's not a practical. It's actually still the only unit that uh, doesn't cash flow. So <laughs> um, we still have it, but and it's been great for appreciation. But um, Katie's cash flow is much better. She has the type of eye for like the, a unit that people are going to want to buy. She has like all the design um, instincts that I don't have. So that one's been kind of a pain, but I still love it because it's my first one. It's in de- downtown Denver and it's what got you started. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wait, Ash, can I have one thing? Just yeah. like on speaking about like losing money in deals that don't cash flow. So there's a there's a part <laughs> two to my Shreveport deal that I got to tell you guys okay. about. So there's a, this house in Louisiana in Shreveport that I tried to sell. Um, took us like over a year year to sell the property. Um, we ended up losing thirty thousand dollars on this house. Right. Uh, we sold it. I thought I was done with it. <laughs> Turns out, I I turned on the gas for that property to do the inspections for the the buyers. Mm-hmm. And they sent the final bill, instead of to my primary residence, they sent it to the house. So I never got the final bill for this property. We were going to close on a property um, two weeks ago. And my, my lender says, hey, Tony, we can't close on this deal because you have a delinquency on your credit report. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, there's some property in Shreveport. And as soon as he said Shreveport, I screamed from the top of my lungs because I thought this house was like done, but it's it's coming back to haunt me. So now I'm like fighting with this this uh, utility company in Shreveport to get this off my credit report. But. Tony, I wish you would have saved this because tomorrow I want to do a rookie reply with you. And it's basically yeah. on that topic. I already pitched it to our producer and everything. I got, so, yeah, I got to get something off my chest yeah. too. So we'll, we'll record more to that tomorrow. But before we go any farther... Um, what does your portfolio look like today? Yeah, so we have um, those three that we talked about. Um, it's a condo and then a townhome and then a duplex that Katie bought. Um, and then we have a 10-unit in Omaha. Um, that's one building. And then we have a single family in Omaha as well. And then um, the last one that we just did is a short-term rental in um, Santa Rosa Beach in Florida. So it's a total of 16 units, um, seven properties, and kind of a hodgepodge of all the different kinds. Well, <laughs> so. congratulations, you guys. Yeah, that is really awesome. So Thanks. let's kind of start. You guys had your own properties, and then what was the first investment you guys did together, and what was the story behind that? Yeah, so the first big investment was buying our, our first house together, and we it was mostly just to buy the house, and we were able going to be able to use the VA loan again because we refinanced out of the um, downtown condo, and we were looking. and Denver's super expensive. This was um, end of 2019 into beginning of 2020, and the um, height of COVID, right, mind you. So right everything in, in was crazy. Everything was crazy. A lot of uncertainty, but. We really, I mean, that was our schedule, so we weren't going to let a global pandemic interrupt Slow that. Down, right? yeah. <laughs> and it ended up working out really well. Um, a lot of things aligned. Um, we had considered continuing to house hack and what, what that would look like because that's all any of us, either of us, had ever done. Mm-hmm. And um, 
put an offer on a couple of houses that we would have really had to work to turn into Airbnbs as a part of the property. And we came across the one that we ended up with and they did an amazing job designing the basement to be a short-term rental. And I think they just got tired of it. We've kind of asked our neighbors since then, like, why did they give up such an awesome, like, income-producing asset? Um, and they almost didn't. It was a really, it was quite the story just getting that deal closed. But um, now that's where we live. It's uh, in East Wash Park, and it's an amazing location for a short-term rental. People love coming to visit the neighborhood. And it's just been a really good experience, as I'm sure, Tony, you guys, you guys both probably know short-term rentals are really fun. And so, so that's been like a, a first project together. We combined on both of them, on, on the other three, um, just like letting each other run with our strengths before that. But this one was where it really dug in. So after that, kind of keep going with the story of acquiring them, and then maybe we can kind of break down some things that you guys have learned along the way and what your strengths are. But so yeah. after that one, when, how long was it before you bought the next one after that? So we this so that was our s- second to most recent one. Okay. So we bought that one in, um, I guess we closed on April 1st, 2020, and we didn't actually close on the next one until um, – April 1st, 2022. So it's two years um, before the next one. And that is the um, Florida short-term rental. And we felt like the experience, we had a little bit of experience, both of us together working on doing a short-term rental downtown with the condo, my first condo, trying to make a cash flow better. But um, that's a whole nother story. But Um, So we had some experience with that. And then this basement was a really good next step into short-term rentals. Um, You know, I I do all the maintenance, so it's easy to go downstairs at 10 o'clock at night when the guest calls and it's an immediate emergency. That's a lot, like logistically, a lot easier to do than trying to find a handyman that's willing to do that. Um, So that that was kind of getting our feet wet, getting really good at it. And then we felt comfortable to try the long-term thing. And so we started looking um, in Florida. Katie's always wanted to own a beach house. And I was like, all right, as long as it's an income-producing asset, I'm into that. (laughs) Um, So we were looking at a bunch of different places. I knew Cocoa Beach pretty well. Um, I had visited it and just paid attention to the area. But um, we'll probably get into this later. But the, the regulations, the Airbnb regulations, aren't very well established there. And they're super not friendly to the regulations that are there are not friendly to short-term rentals. Um, and so it was going to be a, a big project to turn that one around. And Katie has a lot of awesome re- relationships with authors that she's produced their books. And one of them is a- a- Avery Carl. And we had talked about maybe we should just talk to her. She was listening to one of her um, podcasts. I think it was on Bigger Pockets um, Money, maybe. Bigger Pockets Real Estate. Anyway, they that she kind of turned us on to we could really do this with a secondary home loan. Mm -hmm. And so we called her um, brokerage, um, worked with the short-term shop. Um, Rush Valentine was our um, agent and just kind of went from there. And we found an awesome spot. It was, again, the turbulent, like, closing. I think probably all the closings have something come up. Everybody gets experience with that. But you get to the closing day and um, really get to – finish the project and it's all worth it in, in the end. Not to mention that I was one day before having my baby when we <laughs> offered on the house. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> During this whole time where, you know, 
getting all uh, Evan is getting all of our loan documents together with a newborn at home. So (laughs) that was a wild ride. Yeah, that was um, the we offered on a house and we're under contract on a house in December of 2021. And awesome interest rate at that time was like 3.75 or something like that, maybe low fours. And everything worked great until we got an appraisal that was way under. We had offered at 8.30. Um, the appraisal came in at 7.60. And anything that was selling in the area was selling for over 900. So it was like, I don't know where you got this these comps from. We disputed it. Um, some in, um, appraisal can you talk about that process stubborn. real quick? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that actually entail when you dispute an appraisal? Yeah, so um, we Rush and the Short Term Shop helped a ton. Um, they're really good at all things closing on real estate, and but we looked at like by now I look at all sorts of deals uh, on a regular basis, um, and we had been looking in that area for a year by then, and so I was really familiar with the type of property we were looking at. We were looking at four bed, three bath, three bed, three bath. They're all really similar. Um, and so you, you, you kind of have an idea of what it should be worth. And there's a reason we offered 830 instead of 760. Um, and in this case, there was an extra unit outside that they had turned into a bunkhouse. And that accounted for, I think, 300, 250, 300 square feet. And the appraisal agent didn't want to count that. So definitely should have counted it. Um, it was a it made the property better. It wasn't like a just add-on afterthought that wasn't very good. And so that was kind of the big sticking point. If he, if he had included the, that square footage, it would have gone way over nine. So, But he wouldn't do it. There was just like, you got nowhere with it. But you, um, the lender and the real estate agent worked together to submit the request for reconsideration. Mm-hmm. Just kind of got a flat no back. And so I've heard... Um, what you guys have talked about it successfully getting it um, disputed, um, and I've heard success stories on that, but that's that hasn't happened for us. So. Oh, wait, so you guys weren't able to successfully challenge? It? No, really? Yeah, it wasn't very the the huge it, bummer. Yeah, yeah. And so we lost that deal, and at the same month, uh, all of the the way that the that investors treat like loan investors treat um, secondary home properties changed. So they started seeing it more as investment properties versus just secondary homes. So that basically automatically increases the interest rate by 1%. Mm-hmm. So And your down payment probably too. Did it change your down payment that you had to do on it? It didn't. So we were still no. able to do the 10%. Um, but I mean, loans were more expensive to close at that time too. So it ended up being 130000 that it took to close, even though 10% of 830, which we actually closed on another house for 830. <laughs> that, um, Do you know what that first house actually ended up for? sold for? Over nine. So th- oh, yeah, really? They sold oh for God. over nine. Like, but it was on and off the market at least two or three times. Yeah. So it must have been probably. a cash purchase or people were yeah. able to cover the gap. Yeah, I mean, like another like lever you can pull is just to, and obviously you know we love Avery. Avery's amazing, and and not to take away from what she's doing, but you can always try a different lender, right? Because if you go to a different lender, they're going to have to pull another appraisal anyway. So mm-hmm. you might be able to get you know a better opinion of value right. if you go with a with another lender. Yeah, so that's a great tip. Something we, to to keep in mind if you guys find yourselves in that position. Yeah, that's. The, I think we should definitely we considered doing it at the time, and I don't remember why I didn't. I think. It could could have just been we were busy, but um, <laughs> uh, that that and then like a the newborn, timeline. please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot on your plate, and but it, 
I think it, it would. I mean, it would have saved us. Um, it ended up being a full per- percent that it would have saved mm-hmm. us. We had to buy down some of the um, interest rate in the end for the property we ended up closing on. Yeah. But yeah, it's a whole other process to work with another lender. Yeah, a lot of lessons learned there. But so, yeah, something you mentioned, Evan, that I want to drill in on. You said that, that you guys have like a like a specific criteria that you're looking at. It's like a three bedroom, three bath, or a four bedroom, four bath. Um, how did you guys land on that criteria? Like, what was the the thought process behind that? Yeah, um, you can jump in on why you wanted to do the four bed, three bath. But um, I we we talked with um, our agent and just kind of figured out based on the analysis the short-term shop had done and then um, what we looked at with AirDNA, that's where the cash flow is the best in that area. Um, So I really, I mean, I make very few decisions um, without the numbers really making sense um, from like choosing what college I go to all the way to now. Um, And we, so we just kind of, but then as we're touring that, we touring those properties, we kind of fell in love with it. That It's an amazing area. It's so gorgeous. And the houses are like really spunky. Um, all of them have really unique character. And whereas like the condo buildings, not as unique, they're all, all like the same. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really fun. It's they're a really fun type of property. So and when he says too. touring, this is all virtual. Rush is like on FaceTime with us or taking mm-hmm. videos and sending us like nine files over the course of like a half an hour. You know, it's like we never went in person to any of these until after we closed. And really, it was nine weeks after. Um, our initial offer went in that we actually saw the place in person. So, how did you get comfortable doing that? <laughs> just be comfortable with discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think, um, at least for me, I am not a very good like vision oriented person. So, like having a, a total trash house that some people look at and like, oh, I can make this a million dollar building. It's going to look great. I'm going to have the kitchen here and take out this wall and this bath. Like, not me. I don't have that eye for design. And so I was totally against this house that, um, this property that we ended up actually getting because the way that it was already set up, it came fully furnished as well. So the way that it was set up um, for the short-term rental already, it had like crappy like 70s couches that were dingy and had like brown stains all over them like the rugs were just horrible the carpet was stained like the staircase was just nasty and I just I was so against I'm like Evan why are we spending almost a million dollars on a property that's trash that's (laughs) interesting that you say that because I was just like I mean, you'll fix it, right? (laughs) That was was my approach. She does have the eye for design. I don't, maybe like not moving walls, but um, definitely lean on Katie's. I mean, this place, when um, the pictures that were on the listing and the way it was when we bought it, it looked like a house I furnished. I Mm -hmm. don't have, yeah, like I would have gone to the thrift store just like these guys did and buy a couch for 50 bucks and like, sweet, they can sit on that couch and that's all that matters. But it's like, what are they sitting in, though? Is the right. <laughs> and that's what the stuff that Katie cares about. So that's interesting that you say you don't have the eye for design because I think that's like the only. I mean, if we didn't have you designing the Airbnb listings, um, which is like so important for what how they pop off the page to get people to stop scrolling and um, actually look at your your property and decide to book it. Um, 
it's all because of you, the vision that you have. So I, I don't, I don't think it's fair for you to say that you don't have the design. I think it's probably, I'm just like, you'll figure it out and I'll move the couches and it'll work out. Um, you, de- yeah. So I think it definitely, that's nice. Of him. <laughs> <laughs> You're selling yourself short a little. So you guys have talked about a little bit of what your roles and responsibilities are. You said that Evan does the deal analysis. You do a lot of the design. What about the actual operations? Are you guys doing the, are you self managing the properties and taking on those roles and who does what. Totally. Yeah. So all of our properties in Denver, we manage ourselves. Um, The properties we have in Omaha, we have a property manager for those. And then uh, the one in Florida, we're also self-managing from afar, which is really cool. Learns that all from Avery Carl's book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. And, you know, it's it's, really incredible, you know, how people oriented real estate is. So I feel like a lot of investors and especially rookie real, uh, investors go into real estate because, you know, maybe they're bad at working with people in their job. Maybe they don't like their manager. Maybe their manager doesn't like them and they're like on their way out. You know, what else can I do? It's real estate is a people oriented business. And so for us being able to manage all of our properties, um, both in Denver and uh, in Florida from afar, we really rely on our team that we have out there and um who are the what kind of team members do you guys have out there yeah so for our florida house um i uh, i uh, joined a facebook group for um airbnb hosts of florida um that i found actually from the bitter pockets facebook group a little offshoot of that one and um i just kind of stouted in there as you know we're closing on a property in a month does anyone have any cleaners or housekeeping uh recommendations for me and um, I probably got, I don't know, maybe 10, a list of 10 wow, cleaners. That's that, pretty good. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over here trying to like type into Google like cleaners in Gulf Shores. And like I came up with a few lists and it was like four, or a few options and it was like four options. None of them panned out. Um, definitely the going the relationship route worked mm-hmm. a lot better. Yeah, because and the, you know the recommendations I got, someone like linked to Julie, who is our who is our housekeeper out there. Someone linked to her Facebook profile, so I just oh. got to click right on her yeah. and like see you know her whole life and see like you know everything about her that I could. And um, Evan actually set up the interview with her while we were in Florida and um, setting the house up, and she came by and we met her and you know we hit it off from the start. So she's kind of our go-to there, and we have. Um, her team of people as well. So she has a maintenance guy that she works wow. with really closely. And she has a um, uh, a secondary like helper cleaner mm-hmm. that comes with her as well. So really, if anything's wrong with the property, um, she either finds it for us or we hear about it from guests and just send her a text and say, hey. You know, you, you mentioned a really important point, Katie. And, you know, like, I feel like every episode has this this like 30 second portion where people just need to like re-listen to it. And what you said, I think is that moment for this podcast. And it's that like real estate is very much a people driven business. And it's like, yeah, we're, you know, there's the analyzing and there's the, you know, getting to the closing table. But at the end of the day, you can't be a successful real estate investor by yourself. Like you need a property manager or you need a cleaner or you need an agent or you need a lender or you need this person, someone to find your deal. Like every part of this business requires some kind of interaction or relationship with somebody else. 
And I think the better you get at cultivating the, those relationships, the easier it becomes for you to, to be a better real estate investor. So I just, I didn't want to gloss over that because it, it was really a, a really impactful statement. But sorry, Evan, go ahead. I, I know you're, well, that, that's huge. That's, I think, one of the, my biggest learning points since I've started is learning that real estate is a people-oriented business endeavor, everything. Um, I'm not like a super like charming, engaging person. And I like the numbers. I like sitting behind spreadsheets and I like, that's probably why I like real estate because I can, you know, swing a hammer, look at spreadsheets, do all that stuff. And it doesn't require to meet me to be very outgoing. Um, and then I've like sat back and watched Katie build relationships. I think the bit, the most important relationships we have are with our cleaners, the one that does our um, basement at home and the one in, in Florida. And like st- starting with hiring the cleaner isn't, 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 that's where it starts. That's not where it ends. Like finding the cleaner, then building a good relationship with them, keeping them happy, keeping them motivated to prioritize your building. There's been so many times that our cleaner in Denver has prioritized us because she loves Katie. And like, that's been so amazing to me when I'm like, it should just work. Like we pay you what you said you wanted and you're going to show up like a very, um, transactional thing. And there is transactions in, in business and in real estate, but the relationships behind them really drives it. Well, that's the thing. It, it, I don't see that as being difficult, right? So it's easy for me. It comes naturally to me. So Evan, let me take that. I'll take care of like mm-hmm. the people you take care of things in the building and the spreadsheets and everything. And really when you're, you know, Working with guests, working with tenants, or working with like your cleaners, you know, there's like three things, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. Uh, golden rule to live by. And regardless of who, if you're paying someone or they're paying you, treat like treat them as you want to be treated. Two is just treating them as real humans, right? Like they have bad days. I have bad days. Like hopefully our bad days don't align and we're nice to each other. Right. (laughs) But just being able to take a step back when someone's upset about something and just kind of, um, yeah, hearing them out is probably more important than, um, you being heard as, as the, uh, owner of the property or, or their manager, if they're a cleaner. And then, um, I think the third thing is just leading with honesty. So, you know, if something happened to the property and, um, you know, we're not trying to, to like, uh, you know, rip off our, our cleaners at all. It's like, hey, this guest, you know, we had a bad interaction. The guest, the property might be in shambles. Just FYI, might have a rough day, you know, or, or like, you know, uh, Julie, if she has a, a conflict with work, she also works a full-time job while managing our property um, over in Florida. So if she has a, a conflict with her work, it's like, hey, just tell me. Great. Thank you for being honest. We'll figure out like what we can do with the next guest if we need to maybe delay their entry a little bit or something. But just leading with honesty, it goes both ways. The more that you're honest with them, they'll bring it back to you. So. The, that was awesome. And I, I think those are very valuable tips. And it reminded me of this book, um, Hug Your Haters by Jay mm. Bayer. And it's a customer service based book, but I think everybody should read it. And especially if you are doing hospitality or even have long term rentals or just dealing with people in general. And it just talks about like when people do have bad days and like give you that negative feedback or criticize you, like how to handle it and actually basically kill them with kindness and turn it around. And then you kind of build that relationship with them. So if you guys haven't read that yet, uh, check out Hug Your Haters. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? 
I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's get into some of the like nitty gritty. So how are how are the deals financed? You talked about you did the VA loan, you did the second home loan, which ended up being more towards the investment side. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you guys doing for down payments, for cash reserves? How were you able to scale to 17 units so quickly. And sorry, and I'm especially interested in, in the in the 10 unit because I think that's something that a lot of folks aspire to, especially as they're they're just getting started. So yeah. the decaplex. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. So the it started with the VA loan because that they literally you need negative cash to buy a house with a VA loan. Um, they'll cover your closing costs as well. Didn't you get paid actually on one of those? Yeah, you get cash back. Yeah, a little bit it ended up being like a little bit more than the earnest money that I got back. Um which is so I got through a few properties before I even like realized what closing costs were, <laughs> and the, it was actually the de- the decaplex that I was like, you're, oh jeez, you're, you're talking to the you're like, hey, something's wrong here. Like, yeah. actually, I'm supposed to be getting money back. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, what is I'm this? I'm using my lender paying me. What are yeah. we doing? So that was uh, really uh, got you know two properties for myself, and then um, we closed on the 
Decaplex before, um, like after after we were married. But that was my first experience with just like rel- more normal lending. Um, so we did a um, a commercial loan with with um, with that we're just refinancing out of it. So I'm trying to separate the two different types of loans. But um, we did a 25 year amortized. Um, commercial loan so i think it was like it ended up being like 5.13% or something like that sorry what year was this evan 2019 2019 what was the interest rate on that on that debt 5 5.1 that's not uh, bad yeah. and it was and it was strictly like in your llc's name the, the debt right. the title everything it's mm-hmm. not bad what was the yeah. down payment on that so that was a 20% down payment um and i raised most of that so um it was like family and friends type of um capital raise, you could call it. Um, I, I didn't realize I was doing a capital raise at the time, I don't think, but just like talking to some of my parents' friends and some of my friends. And um, one in specific was like willing to, he has a few properties and he's used to it. So he's willing to take a chance on us as new new multifamily operators. And um, so we ended up, it is a purchase price, asking price was 650. We bought it for 600 and um, we put in um, like 120, I think it was. And I raised a total of like 160, I think it was for just have reserves. And I think the big, the big thing was the main investor on that project was willing to put in more. Um, and we had some of some smaller investors that we wanted to get involved. So we kind of replaced that money. And I definitely underestimated the amount of capital that we would want to have on hand. And it turns out if you look at the numbers, like raising another 30 or 40,000 wouldn't have affected the ROI nearly as much as being able to get those projects done faster because we had the capital in the bank already. So that's kind of how that one looked. Um, but we, like I said at the beginning, it's we've had a hodgepodge of loans. So the how B- did you structure that with the partners? Yeah. So um, me and my dad had done my second property together um, on a 60-40, him getting the 60 and me getting the 40. He put all the, they brought all the um, down payment. It was uh, 3.5% because I lived in it. So it wasn't a huge down payment, but I didn't have any of that. So um, he got the 60 because I felt like he's taking a risk um, and I got the 40. So we kind of tried to parlay that into the 10plex um, and it ended up being a really complicated structure, but essentially... um, I, the operator got 30% of like we, as the operators get 30% and then the investment gets 70%. And we put in, we put money into our investment into the investment side as well. So we get paid a little bit from both sides, Mm -hmm. but it's a 70, 30 split. Um, and the reason we did that was to make sure the investors got a good return, um, and it's that translates through all the way through the when we sell um, any equity gain, any cash flow, it's just all everybody has a certain amount that they're entitled to. It kind of got complicated with what the exact percentages are, though, because um, the operators being um, also investors ends up with some crazy decimals that we have written in a spreadsheet that will pull up when it's time to, um, time sell. to sell. So, yeah. So you guys bought this in 2019. Had mm-hmm. you guys purchased, and this is in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Had you guys purchased in Omaha before this? No, this was our first Omaha purchase. So what, what why Omaha? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I liked Omaha pretty much. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to get assigned there uh, in the air force and it, uh, through a, a major, major luck, I ended up getting assigned in Denver instead. But I, I heard things while I was um, 
trying to make myself feel better about going to Omaha. Um, <laughs> they were like, it's like a new Denver. They have a lot of really trendy breweries. The downtown is really starting to pop. Um, just hearing things that you want to look for as a real estate investor that I, I wasn't a real estate investor at the time, but it all like resonated really well when I was trying to look elsewhere. Um, Denver isn't a great fit for me as the type of multifamily investing that I want to do as a for one, I'm much smaller than most of the players in Denver, and then just have different access to capital, um, less access to capital than I think it takes to get in in Denver, and may, um, especially in 2019. So I was looking elsewhere, and it just seemed like a pretty similar, relatively similar city that I felt like I could resonate well with. And then I just started calling um, realtors and started getting to know people there. And by the time I wanted to look at multifamily, um, we we kept talking about other other cities that were like midwestern blue collar cities that were just like steady jobs and um really good people it, um we felt like that we were able to relate to well but i was just more familiar with omaha so um Turns out his gut was right, though, because, you know, there's like an Amazon warehouse opening there. Okay. It's like a burgeoning like college town. So there's all lots of people in and out all the time um, going to college and grad school and that type of thing. And then um, there's also a really busy um, hospital center. There is a medical school. It's like one of the main hospitals in all of Nebraska mm-hmm. <laughs> is in Omaha. So it's a, it's a pretty uh, good place for that blue collar. Were you on board from the beginning or was there some some convincing that Evan had to do? I'm, I'm just always curious, right? Because, you know, like like you said, like you guys play different roles. And I know what what's always helped me and Sarah be successful as a husband and wife duo is that I do a good job of seeing out of her way and vice versa, right? Like, mm-hmm. so was, was there a little bit of that here? Were you like, you know, Evan, we need to get you checked for trying to go <laughs> invest in Omaha? You know, there I was actually more bought into Omaha than I probably should have been. I grew up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is just four miles north or four hours north of Omaha. So, you know, my memory of Omaha is driving a bus down in middle school to go to the Omaha Zoo for a day. (laughs) So I had very happy memories of Omaha. There was nothing negative going on there. But, you know, I was really set on a beach house. Colorado has many things going for it, but one thing is not water, mm-hmm. right? We're landlocked. And even the water that we do have, it's all freezing and it's in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my eyes set on this beach house and I, you know, I was like, cool, you know, whatever is going to get us to the beach, I'm fine. Let's just like, let's keep going and, and set our sights on, on this beach house coming up. So, so how did you find this decaplex? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, LoopNet is where I found the listing. Um, but I think... Again, I think the networking thing has been is always an intimidating thing for me, um, and so it's happened out of necessity a lot of the time. And I was just looking for properties, and it took a while to find properties because I had no relationships with with agents. Um, and the more um, agents I talked to, the more that were like willing to talk to me about different deals. And I found this one on LoopNet. Talked to. I had, I think, two agents at the time that were kind of my go-tos to talk about deals, um, and we just we decided to put an offer on it. And actually, I was on the top of Kit Carson Peak when we closed on this. Um, on this uh, Carson, for those of you not fourteener climbers, is like an insane mountain that's like rock scrambles. You gotta use like all four limbs to get up to the top. I was not with him, right? Like. <laughs> We, like yeah, so we went under yeah, we went under contract from, from the top of that. Good service on the top of mountains, turns <laughs> out. So cool. um, but yeah, that it, it was through um, it was through LoopNet. I was looking at um, LoopNet's uh, multifamily version of the MLS sort of 
similar thing or like multifamily or some people say thing. where deals go to die but you can actually right. find good deals yeah. because people think they're I think deals. Right. exactly and it wasn't a like home run deal but it was a deal that yeah. I could do and um, get it, it got your feet wet right and exactly. I mean let, let's talk about the numbers it wasn't a home run deal but you guys yeah. you picked it up for $600,000 right. right how much did you guys put into the rehab um, well, so so far it's been I think it's been about seventy thousand that we've put in total that's a, turning it. It's a really reasonable amount, right? Yeah. Well, what do you think the property's worth today? It, we just been... got it appraised, so it's a seven seven hundred eighty seven thousand that it got appraised for. And that's you put amazing. seventy into it, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, and and that's been a nice uh, yeah that's been a nice recent win for us to get that uh, appraised and refinanced at that value and start to feel it's definitely felt tight over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird that you can buy 10 units for 600000 in Omaha when we're struggling to buy one for that in Denver. <laughs> but, um, you know, the the numbers barely worked and they're going to pay the in, um, investors well in the end. Um, not We're not looking at like 100% year over year cash on cash, any of that, but still a solid return for the investors. I learned a ton. Um, and we have some momentum now, like feel some confidence around being able to continue to do multifamilies in Omaha and build the short, short-term rental stuff in Florida. Just one, one last question. I want to keep moving. Just one, one last thing. So just on, on the property management side, um, how, did you, how did you guys vet and find that, that property manager in this totally new market? Yeah, it took a while. I, th- I thought I should manage myself to learn um, from the beginning, and I don't wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think don't I, give out your cell phone number to your tenants. <laughs> yeah, lots of cell phone <laughs> conversations with the tenants. Yeah. Um, so I eventually I was working with a realtor that helped me find helped us find the um, single family, and she was like excited about managing a property, so she worked on it for a little while and. Um, she was awesome and they remodeled a couple of the units, but it was just getting to be too much for them. And they're like such good people that they didn't want to just quit. They wanted to quit with a lead. And so they gave us this lead for, um, city line properties out there. Um, Dan Zimmerman was, I think he was, he had been going for maybe a year or something, but he had like 30 properties that he was managing at the time. Now they're well over a hundred, maybe more, but um, you know, and as soon as I heard Dan's name, I was like, I got to look him up on Bitter Pockets. If he doesn't have a profile, then he's not legit. He's, he's and not luckily, good. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely use that. We definitely leaned on that to, to vet him. Um, it's hard to talk to property management companies. I talked to a lot of property management companies and just didn't vibe well with them. I didn't think that like I, like they were going to take care of my the property the way I wanted them to. Um, in this case, it was one of his first properties as a property manager, and it was one of my first properties as a um, multifamily investor. So that worked really well. And it's turned out to be an awesome relationship. What are some examples of questions that our listeners could ask when they're interviewing a property manager to kind of get that feel that this person isn't going to work out? Do you have any ideas that you wanted to throw out there? Well, I would say the first one is just their experience level, right? So, and not as a necessarily a red flag, Right, because this was also Dan's first time managing, but um, just being able to understand like where they're coming from and what their background is and kind of what they've been into since then, um, I think is really important. I think the second thing is is um, 
yeah, their their fees. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because it turns out, I know you just had a, a recent guest on the Rookie Show who was a, a property manager, and um, her fees just seemed so wildly different than what, Ashley, I think you mentioned what you're paying in some mm-hmm. of your fees. So just, you know, is it a mom-and-pop shop? Is it an individual? Is it a huge conglomerate? And what are this, the separate fees that go along with all of those? I think just huge and they vary so wildly so it's just trying to figure out what works for you and what works for that property yeah i think um looking back now i'd have a lot of different questions um than i asked at the time um a big one is like just getting to know their organizational structure and like their logistics how they keep track of their properties how they like what technology they use to manage um maintenance requests and to um keep the books and to send out owner distributions, all of that. Like, I think a lot of people get into property management because they're good at um, doing maintenance and like just don't want to be working for a different group, for a different company. And they often don't have like a very good business savvy. And um, you want to really find out that this person is in it to be a property manager, not just to not have to... um, pay someone else to maintain their properties or something like that. So that's, I think, where I would focus asking them about their the logistics um, and what tech they use and how they keep track um, of everything and what their team looks like. Do they have a bookkeeper? Um, do they have a, like contractors that they get to do all their maintenance ticket items? Do they um, just do it? Do they have somebody in-house? Um, those types of things and have ended up translating to a much different experience since the city line has a really good um, system going. That is huge. Like understanding what their systems and processes are like Mm -hmm. uh, there's emergency maintenance and they say, Oh, well we have a phone number they call. Okay. Well, what, who's answering that phone when, you know, and then what happens? Are you, do you call someone out immediately? Do they wait till morning? Like understanding what exactly those processes are in the company can really help you understand like, if they actually have systems and processes. This one company we were working with, they had an emergency maintenance line and the fire alarm went off in one unit. The fire company was there. Nobody was home. They were trying to get in. They couldn't get the Knox box open, all these things. And they were trying to call the property management company, the property manager's cell phone, the emergency maintenance number. And it's like 8 a.m. It's not like it's 1 a.m. It's 8 a.m. And their office didn't open till 9. And so um, it's just like, whoa, if the fire department can't even get a hold of you, how are our tenants supposed to get a hold of you? Mm-hmm. So really understanding those two, I, I, I think, is a big thing. Yeah, I think I took for granted and just assumed that if you were, if you had a business, you had all that stuff mm-hmm. worked out. And it's amazing to me the more I get exposed to different businesses, the more I look into everything turns out that that's what makes excellent businesses. That's not what makes a business is having your all your ducks in a row when it comes to those types of logistics. And a lot of businesses don't have that. And a lot of, of property management companies don't have that. Can I go off on just like a brief tangent? Because I yeah. think that's that's like a that's a, a really valuable lesson in like so many different ways. First, like anytime you're vetting a vendor, like they, you can be easily fooled because how hard is it today to slap up a website, get a logo? Social media. Social oh my media. God, they have a huge following. They're legit. They're, they're legit, yeah. right? But, that, you know, it's so easy to make those vanity kind of metrics look like mm-hmm. they're they're legitimate. So I, I think the homework you guys talked about is super important. But the, the other point that you mentioned, I think this is more so about 
building your own real estate business is that it, it, it is easy to get started, but to be excellent, I think takes a, a different level of, of dedication, Definitely. a different level of preparation, a different level of sophistication. So mm-hmm. I know most everyone who's listened to this is, is a rookie still, but even as you're you're just getting started, think about what you want your business to look like five to 10 years from now and start putting those processes and systems in place today so that way, as you start to scale, you kind of know which direction you're going. Like, I, I think I shared in one of our Ricky replies, like I had, a, I had a whole org chart built out for our business when it was just me and Sarah, mm-hmm. right? And now this past year, we've been hiring people in. It's been so yeah. easy to hire them because I already know which part of the org charts I don't want to do anymore. And we're just, we're kind of passing all these things off. So Tony, um, have you read the book, uh, Traction? I've read it like five times. Yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly what Traction asks you to do, it's, yeah. right? It's like you set your current organizational chart, you set mm-hmm. your three-year, five-year, and undetermined future org chart there. And you just fill in the blanks from there. It's a really great read. You know, that would actually be a great question to ask a property management company. Can I see your organizational chart? Yeah, you know, right. you would see one. like how the Do departments work, who's like into there and yeah. be like, okay. I just, and so, you know, like, okay, it's a maintenance issue. I know I need to contact this person because that's been a struggle with the property management company too, is if, so, if there's an issue, who's the person to contact? Because sometimes it's multiple Mm -hmm. departments like you know the apartment's up for leasing but you know we notice this maintenance issue needs to be fixed do we like tell the leasing agent to hold off on showing so this is done in the communication between departments too so yeah Yeah. that'd be interesting to ask uh, to see an org chart yeah and property management company getting to the point where you are not overwhelmed as a rookie is difficult to do so i i like to tell people a lot like Bite out, bite off. Don't bite off more than you can chew, especially as a rookie. Really, ever. Um, it. I. You hear about like dreaming big. You know, have have big goals and all of that. But the habits that you're going to be building as a rookie, I still consider us rookies for sure, um, are so much more important than like the exact numbers that you or like how fast you know being able to say that headline of I got so many units in so, such little years. Um, but like just being cons- learning how to be consistent and reliable with one property, even if it's just your house hack. Um, like Katie and I took a, a year before we even considered looking at other property, uh, another um, short-term rental property. We really wanted to make sure we had all like we had seen a full year and gotten those habits and understood what it really takes. Um, and we have full-time jobs, so that obviously changes our timeline. Um, but it's, I think it's important to be and understand the importance of learning the, the habits and getting all of your logistics well ironed out before you try to scale too much and then just bury yourself in, um, in business. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story with us and coming on here and telling us about the Decaplex, your Florida beach house. Uh, first of all, congratulations to you guys. Uh, really awesome what you guys are doing. Uh, but we want to hear more from you guys. So we're going to go into our rookie exam. Uh, this is where we ask three questions to each of our guests, and it's going to be the hardest exam uh, that you guys have taken. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the first one, um, actually, Evan, I'll ask this one to you. What is one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode? I think um, you should sit down and um, kind of write out what relationships you have right now, even personal, if you don't have a lot of business relationships. Um, But like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, um, 
relationships are what's going to run your real estate business. And if you're not giving value to your relationships, then you can't expect much in return. Um, and I didn't, this is a, this is one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, um, that I didn't know at the beginning. Um, so sit down, write down the relationships that you know, and right next to it, what value are you giving to those relationships? And then next to that, how you can improve the value that you're giving to those relationships. I think like, um, the Avery Carl example, um, just different relationships in our life that Katie had been mostly Katie <laughs> had been just like pouring value into for um, months and years. And then one, when we needed to talk to them, they were super happy to help us. And I was like, man, this is magic that we just accelerated. We accelerated our short-term rental project. I was like slogging through properties in a completely different location. And we were just like, why don't we lean on some of the relationships that we've built up? Um, but if, if you can do that intentionally, because I think it's important to be able to like go do something, be able to think of something you can actually do right now versus like pie in the sky goals, you have relationships right now. Go look at them, get more intentional about them. Even if it's just your brother or like your mom or somebody and figure out how you're giving them value so that you can be more aware of it. If you're not, this is an opportunity to improve the relationships in your personal life. And if you are, um, that's great. You'll find the holes and you'll just get better at it. And that'll end up paying dividends like you won't imagine, like d- down the road for sure. It's mind blowing to me how important relationships are. And I think I'm probably talking a lot to myself when it comes to <laughs> that. Like, what can you do now to really build upon to build on those, what right? you have? Actually, someone mentioned on a, on a recent podcast, I can't remember which episode it was, but they said that um, relationships have an infinite return. And like that, it was just such a powerful statement because it's so true because it's like, you never know where one relationship can take you. Like Ash and I are only sitting here as podcast hosts right now because of relationships that we built Mm. before, Mm -hmm. you know, before we knew where they were going to lead. And it's like, you you just never know. So, I mean, I, I love that, but I love, I love also the fact that you position it in a way where it's like. How can I how can I build up that other person with, with kind of no expectation of return? So yeah, and, and you know important. what? As you were saying that, I almost expected you to say, "What value can they bring to me?" Mm-hmm. But I love that that was awesome, and that's yeah. so true. The more value you provide to somebody else, you're gonna get more than you could imagine back from them. Yeah, and when you didn't know, you had no idea you were gonna want that or like the value. Yeah. It's it's just it's like you said it and it the momentum. I'm a like really into building momentum. I'm not good at just like immediately setting a perfect habit and here I am and we're great. It like takes a while to build a momentum, but once I have it, it's like a really solid mm-hmm. um, asset to my life. Um, and the like starting like I I think I made that mistake multiple times like calling a lender right when I needed a lender. Um, and then that obviously didn't work. So, but then I had started building that relationship. So it was much better the next time I needed, uh, wanted to look at a property. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to see that retroactively. I didn't, I didn't know it going into it. And so again, some of this started by necessity, but I saw the benefit looking back and we've worked on, luckily I have Katie who's great at relationships. <laughs> That's really helps, but I'm trying to like get much better at, um, yeah, giving the value because um, chances are really good that that relationship is giving you value. You probably don't need to worry about it. And later on, it will. So I think that's uh, the right place to start. I love that advice. So, Katie, th- this next question is for you. Um, what's one tool, software app, or system that you use in your business? 
Well, I would be remiss if I did not say the Bitter Pockets website. Considering <laughs> I've spent five years of my life job security. <laughs> <working on the laughs> <website>. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, like not to beat a dead horse here, but all businesses are people businesses, and real estate is not excluded from that list. So, how are you going to meet people? Go to bitterpockets.com, sign up for a free account, and then go to the forums. It's like the very most simple way to get and give value, uh, the value that Evan was just talking about. So you got to meet people, find people in your area, post a question, answer questions. And, you know, the more that you give, the more that you're going to get back. Um, You'll start noticing people uh, that you want to reach out to. And you might get reached out to from other people who notice you giving really good advice or good answers to questions, even if you don't even even have a property, right? You can still uh, start a conversation with someone in our forums. Um, Yeah, so I would, you know, I'd be really remiss if I didn't say that. (laughs) Katie, let me ask you this. As As a BP insider, what do you think is like one part of the the bigger pockets ecosystem that a rookie isn't maybe taking advantage of today. Mm, that is a great question. Um, I would say our our number one place where I think you can get the most bang for your buck is the bigger pockets conference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is off site, so <laughs> off the website, so there's that piece of it. But I think it it's truly it's like a a three day, maybe two and a half day event once a year um, where you just get so much education in one place. You have the networking that's there. You have the educational piece that's there. You can read a book. You can buy your books from there. Um, you can meet all of the authors, all of the podcast hosts, all of the people who um, you know you might be listening or reading on a, on a daily basis. Um, and I think the conference is really just the one place where um, you're going to meet like-minded people and be able to yeah also get and give that value to those relationships. So. Love that. I think it will actually make you realize that you know more than you think that you know, too. Like Mm -hmm. having those conversations with people, Mm -hmm. I think that's like a huge – it gives you really a big motivator. It gives you like motivation like that moment where you're like, wow, I actually knew what I was talking about in that conversation. Like maybe I am ready to start investing (laughs) or I could – I actually know what I'm doing. And I I think that confidence boost is like a huge thing about going to these in-person you know, events like the Bigger Pockets Conference. Yeah, and it's a little like, you know, the first day of college. You get <laughs> yeah. to your dorm room and like everyone's trying to make a new friend. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. one has friends, yeah. right? right? Yeah. And so the conference is really similar to that. Like it's really like hats off, no ego, you know, meet people where they're at in a new place, in a new city, you know, preferably with a drink in hand. The like hotel lobby bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just a, yeah, a really yeah. good place for, for that kind of authentic yeah. and uh, original friendship. So. Yeah. Love it. Well, we have one more question for you guys, and I guess we'll kind of ask you guys together. Um, where do you guys plan on being in five years? Yeah. So we hope to have full-time jobs while having 50 properties. 50. Love That's it. the goal. Yeah. That's awesome. And the, the we want to be able to operate it while we have full-time jobs because both of us have careers that we do care about, and um, that's one of the awesome things about real estate, why I really got passionate about it while I was still in the Air Force. It wasn't an option for me to quit my job. And we're not trying to build into our lives fewer choices. And so being able to, if we want to, you know, five years from now, make that a, make it a family business and go all in on real estate, we'll be able to. If one of us wants to, one of us doesn't. But we like the, the plan is to be able to and to continue in our jobs. Um, 
and still be able to have a very big thriving real estate business on the side. Cause I think that's one of the biggest advantages of real estate is that you can delegate a lot of stuff and be able to run it without it consuming your life. And you know, because I have a full-time job, I'm able to do this. Everyone who's listening to this podcast right now can get 15% off any book, any format in the bookstore. All you need to do is go to www.biggerpockets.com slash store, pick out your book, put it in the cart, and then type in the word publishing in your promo code spot. And we'll call this the publisher's special. <laughs> we'll call it the Katie's book. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 15% off. Just use the code publishing in the bookstore. You know, I feel like she's really, like, pushing it towards us. Like, your book could have been one of these. <laughs> right. that you could have <laughs> been <laughs> You need to get writing. No, but, I mean, that that is the, the beauty of real estate investing, right, is that, like, you get to move at whatever pace you want. And at the end of the day, that like that's why we that's why we want entrepreneurship is for the for the the control, it's for the 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 power of choice. Um, and it's like if you want to stay at your job, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. But it's it's about having that choice to make that mm-hmm. decision for yourself, as opposed to to that pressure of hey, you have to do this this one thing. So right. Love it. All right, so we're going to give a shout-out to this week's Ricky Rockstar, and this week uh, it's Rafael Cabrera, and Rafael says, just purchase property number three with a nomad strategy. And Rafael, you might need to get an application in because I'm curious to know a little bit more about what this nomad strategy is and how, how you're using it. Uh, but Rafael says that property number two, which I guess was recently purchased, he just happened to accidentally buy uh, near the site where the new convention center is going up, so there's some good news there. But Rafael leaves some, some final words of uh, guidance, and he says, uh, even if you're unsure about this nomad strategy, which is, I guess, just kind of moving around pretty frequently. He said he's doing it with a wife and a two-year-old and a two-month-old, right? So he said he'd be lying if he said it was easy, but he said it's totally worth doing. And he's looking forward to what what comes this next year. So Rafael, congratulations to you and your family. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to get shout out as a Ricky Rockstar, get active in the Real Estate Ricky Facebook group, the Bigger Pockets forums, you can slide into my DMs or Ashley's. Well, Katie and Evan, thank you so much for flying us out to dinner, Denver, <laughs> buying us lunch, and dinner. dinner tomorrow night. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciated having you guys on the show and loved the value and everything that you shared with everyone, not just your story, but the great advice and the insights and the mindset. So thank you for much, so much for coming on. Thank yeah. you, guys. It was really, yeah. really fun. Thanks for having us on. And uh, yeah, it was awesome to be able to just sit down and talk through things with you guys. If you guys love the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and check out our YouTube channel, Real Estate Rookie. I'm Ashley Kerr at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony Robinson at Tony J. Robinson. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. Getting started in real estate can be daunting. There's so much to know, obstacles to overcome, lessons to learn, and risks to avoid. It can all be so overwhelming. If you're feeling motivated to invest, but too overwhelmed to take action, here's some advice. 
Take it one step at a time. And here's some good news for you. The Rookie Bootcamp is starting on May 20th, and Tyler and Ashley will be guiding you through each and every step until you're the proud, confident owner of your first investment property. Through eight action-packed weeks, they'll guide you step-by-step through those first questions, decisions, and obstacles that every beginner investor must overcome. So if you're serious about becoming an investor this year, head to biggerpockets.com step and join us in the Rookie Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.